0: That is Psalm 73, verses 23 through 26. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I'm Sandra Flack, so thankful to be with you today as we near the end of August. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I am here in upstate New York, uh, up uh, in the mountains, and I'm recording this just a few days before it releases, and we are already seeing the leaves change up here. So I know some parts of the country right now, it is hot. I have friends in our support group who have temperatures in over 100 degrees, and I sit here in the mountains in like 69, 70 degrees, although I wish it was more summery because I don't want to let go of the summer just yet, but Fall is coming, kids are going back to school. Some of you already have kids back in school, or if you homeschool, you've already started homeschooling. Um, you know, or in some cases, like here in New York, it starts after Labor Day, whichever the case for your family, I know today's guest will be a valuable resource to you. Um, but first, since we're talking about September and all those back to school things, September is FASD Awareness Month, Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, which we talk about a lot on this show because a a disproportionate number of children in child welfare, foster care, adoptive placements have been prenatally exposed to alcohol and other drugs, most of the time not diagnosed. So we really talk about that a lot on this show. I'm a parent of two children diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, adopted from Eastern Europe, um, and so many of you are foster and adoptive parents that have adopted, um, and this is also part of your story. So we are focusing, come September, on FASD throughout the month, uh, but I also want to share that we are, my nonprofit, JFO, is a proud platinum sponsor of Run FASD. This annual event raises awareness about FASD, working to make this invisible disability visible. Uh, Join participants across the country. This is an initiative of FASD United, the national organization for FASD. Uh, So nationwide, people are gonna be running, walking, participating in some way, in a 5K um, throughout the month of September. So we want you to participate in that. And just whether you do it with a group or you do it all by yourself and you just take a selfie and you use the hashtag um, #RunFASD. we want you to to take some time to learn about this and advocate. Uh, You can go to the runfasd.org website to learn more and follow it on social media because there's a lot of social media around it. You can go to run FASD on social media, FASD United, um, lots of posts going on there. So, Before we get to today's guest, though, I do have some more important announcements that I'd love for you to check out. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group, which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And our support group is a vital resource for families We are welcoming new members every month joining us, so I hope you will consider joining us too and finding your community so you're not on this journey alone. I've also got some uh, online workshops coming up. Uh, I'm offering a one-hour introduction to FASD on Wednesday evening, September 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and a deep dive into FASD and the FACETS Neurobehavioral Model. Uh, That begins October 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. This workshop is six weekly, three-hour sessions. It's a total of 18 hours of content, six Wednesday nights in a row, starting on October 11th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, We will offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops And if you are a social worker licensed in New York state, we now offer CEUs as well. So to register for any of these online workshops or to check out all of our available trainings, anything, if you're looking to schedule something specific for your group or just for you yourself, visit our website, justicefororphansny.org and click on training, you'll see the tab for FASD um, registration and you can check it all out there and of course we will put a link to the website in the show notes for this episode so you can find it pretty easily also be sure to subscribe or follow this podcast so you do not miss a single episode and so other adoptive foster and kinship caregivers can easily find the show and be encouraged and equipped too. Uh, also if you're listening on an Apple device Please leave a review. I would really, really appreciate that. So, to our guest today. After homeschooling a creative, bright son with ADHD and learning disabilities for grades four through twelve, Kathy Cull helps parents teach children with challenges. She wrote, Homeschooling your struggling learner. A Handbook for Anyone Helping Children with Learning Difficulties, including Attachment Deficit Disorder, ADHD, Autism, Learning Disabilities, and Giftedness. Her book combines her insights and research along with wisdom gleaned from interviews with 64 families across the country who homeschool children with learning challenges. She has written two other books, Staying Sane St. as Your Homeschool and encouraging your child, and many articles from magazines. Kathy speaks internationally and nationally. She presents workshops at homeschool conferences and at national conferences such as CHAD, Children and Adults with ADHD, and the Learning Disabilities Association, as well as the Autism Society of America. She also consults privately with families, providing resources, encouragement, and planning assistance. Her encouragement is rooted in experience, research, and biblical principles. She helps parents customize their children's education to their needs, strengths, and gifts. Kathy Cole graduated from William & Mary, where she earned a teaching certificates in English and mathematics. She's taught all ages, she has two adult children, five grandchildren. She lives with her husband in Northern Virginia and enjoys reading and hiking. And she is here with us today. Please welcome Kathy Cole. Hi, Kathy. Hey, Sandra. How are you? Well, I am so excited to have you on the show. I don't know if you know this or not, but I calculated maybe 16 years ago I sat in on a workshop that you led um, at our homeschool convention in New York. I think it was out in Syracuse, New York, uh, because at the time we had brought home, we had just recently adopted three children internationally. um, And we had always been a homeschool family, but all of a sudden homeschooling became very interesting and challenging with the new additions to our family. Um, And I sat in on your workshop and I, I purchased your book, Um, Homeschooling the Struggling Learner, and I found it a great resource. Um, And we've bounced around with our kiddos that are left at home. We have two teenagers with FAS. Um, So we've done homeschooling, in-schooling, a combination of both. So I am just so excited for our listeners to get to know you because I know many of our listeners um, are facing the same challenges and and some of them are homeschooling. Some of them are thinking about it, but thinking they could never do it. So thank you so much for for being on the show to share your expertise with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So let's start with what led you to become a homeschooler so many years ago?
1: Mm, It was a long time. Um, I never intended to homeschool my kids. I my daughter was thriving in school. M- my son was highly distractible and bright and coming home from kindergarten complaining about the work that there was too it was too hard. But he was this social butterfly. He always wanted to have a kid over to play every single day. So I couldn't imagine us homeschooling. But as Kindergarten turned into first grade. The problems didn't get any easier. Uh, He was struggling to just learn the alphabet um, and that sequence, struggling with addition, basic skills. So um, I started asking my homeschooling friends for advice about what to do over the summers, and they encouraged me to homeschool. I still was wary of doing that. I had taught junior high math, but that has nothing to do with an ability to teach a first grader, second grader, or then third grader how to read or um, do any sort of arithmetic. Um, but as we worked together over the summers, I saw that I could give him the one on one time in the morning instead of after he was exhausted from trying to succeed in school. So we made the move from Maryland to Virginia before he started um, fourth grade and we decided to try homeschooling for a year. We took it a year at a time. If you had told me that we were gonna go fourth through 12th grade, I think I would have run back up the street and handed him back to the school because (laughs) that sounded way too scary. But um, year by year we came to the conclusion that it was the best thing for him and it really helped him make progress he couldn't make in public school.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a very similar story. I've, I, that that I've heard from other families. And like I said, I started homeschooling 23 years ago. I did I did that calculation. We had three biological children, one adopted daughter who was a relative who had come to live with us. Um, and back then, homeschoolers seemed to be an odd bunch, right? Like if somebody heard you homeschool, they were like shocked and like, what about socialization and you know all of those things. But today, so many. So many families are turning to homeschooling, um, home education, because they see the value in that. Um, but for those of us raising kids with trauma histories, prenatal exposure to alcohol and other drugs, our kids have brain differences, learning disabilities. Some parents think I could never homeschool them because of all of those challenges, or they need all these services, and I, I, I wouldn't be able to provide that. But um, have you found though that homeschool actually works even better for our kids with these learning challenges? Well, I have to say first that family
1: situations differ, and I respect every family, whatever decision they make. I think you need to decide what's best for your family and for each kid, each, sometimes every year, and, and yeah. that can, can vary over time. So if someone's listening who just knows they can't homeschool and they're listening out of kindness then i just want to say i respect you in that in many cases though it's really helpful to be able to homeschool when our children are struggling whether it's with um, emotional social disorders or um, brain injury um, there's so many ways that we can customize homeschooling um to serve our child not only their needs, but also their strengths and their interests. And I think even if you so-called homeschooled, virtual schooled during COVID, you really don't have any idea of the freedom that real homeschooling can give you. When you're the one choosing making the plan, you can decide when you start, when you stop, what subjects you're going to cover, what materials you'll use, when you're going to have breaks, there's incredible flexibility. Um, for example, one woman I interviewed for my first book was homeschooling a daughter in Florida with, um, epilepsy, and she would have these little micro seizures, sometimes 50 at night. And so if that happened one night, school's not going to happen the next day. And she had the freedom to say, okay, we will do this enriching educational activity that she likes and we can push back and, work on our regular things another day. So there's so much flexibility that I could go on for an hour about that. (laughs) But
0: yeah, and I I found that also, because with my with my kiddos with with um, FASD, uh, they're easily distractible. And if their brain is on focusing on something else, there's no learning that's going to happen. And I'm able to then pivot like, like that mom did. So one of my kiddos, if, if we've ordered something, say, from Amazon that he'd saved his money for and he wants, and of course, we have to go on and track it to know exactly when it's going to arrive at our house, uh, then his whole brain is focused on when the UPS man is going to arrive and then once that thing whatever it is comes that's all he can focus on. So same thing. There's no actual learning that's going to go on, but however I may be able to get him to play a board game or do some physical activity outside or something else that he likes, that, you know, because anything else that's going to require focus or memory just not going to happen, whereas in a traditional school setting, they have to sit still and, and pay attention, and, and those expectations are on them, and they have to get that work done, which then leads to that frustration meltdown, and it can be disastrous. So I love I love what you said, and, and I totally agree that it's, it's different for every kid, every family, and year by year, because we homeschooled forever. It felt like forever, and then all of a sudden, I found myself in a place where my two boys were... Um, one was fifth grade, one was ninth grade, and they went to school for a time, the public school special education program, because they had a lot of, I was having a hard time meeting all their needs, because there was a lot of occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, vision therapy, like I spent so much time running the therapies, there was nothing left over to be able to do educational things, so they went into school for a time, and that was working for a time until it wasn't with my youngest um, because of COVID. So many changes during COVID. When we went back to school, he couldn't learn because he was sort of he was hyper vigilant in, in in sort of that survival mode because the, he he needs structure and routine and everything to be the same, and so all of a sudden things were not the same. So we pulled him back home. Um, and he, we homeschooled him and he improved, was doing much better. And now we're actually doing what I call a hybrid, which is he I do math and reading with him in the morning. And then he he goes into our public school special education program in the afternoon for adaptive PE um, and life skills and job skills is what he's working on. Because technically he's 11th grade, um, not working at an 11th grade level academically, but needing to learn those life and job skills are very, very important. And somehow when mom is trying to teach you those skills, you just think, or he thinks, you know, mom is mean and you're making me do all these chores and not making that connection that these are important life skills. So, um, yeah. So it, again, every year, every family, everything's different. You have to reassess and see really what's in the, what's best for the child. So I I totally agree with you there. Um, we are about to embark on another school year. Some families are already back in school. Um, So for parents who have kids in public school or traditional school, what might be some signs or indications that public school, traditional school, just not working for our kids? What are some of those signs that this, this is not a good fit? Well, I'm not a psychologist.
1: I used to be a school classroom teacher, so um, I have that background, but I would look for changes in behavior and um, attitude, morale. In my son's case, he was coming home from school in third grade with an explosive temper. I would Mm. ask him to put away his backpack and boom, he was not happy. Um, I talked to the school about it and his reading specialist said, well, he's emotionally exhausted from trying so hard. So that sort of extreme reaction can be a sign. I would imagine also um, if you see your child becoming very discouraged about school, Mm -hmm. um, talking about themselves as stupid. Um, If you see them becoming apathetic or um, there's lots of different ways a child can express boredom. A lot of times um, bright kids can look, can be disruptive and look like they have ADHD because they're just bored. And one problem I found in in when I was teaching school was there's a limited amount of time. I had 150 students and there's only so much customization I can give each child.
0: So our kids can struggle with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely some warning signs and why might homeschooling be a better fit for kids who are struggling?
1: Well, we can customize in many different ways. We for a demoralized child or a extremely distracted child, we can choose to build our homeschool around our, our child's interests or passions. My son loves history and story and Most of our English curriculum was built around historical fiction or historic works. Uh, We were able to incorporate a lot of field trips to historic sites. We were able to create a lot of hands-on activities. I mean, it's one thing to sit in a typical class and watch your teacher demonstrate some science principle from the front of the classroom. It's another when you get to lift the table with one slender yardstick when you're a little kid (laughs) because you're (laughs) learning principles of leverage. Um, We've um, split water molecules into hydrogen and made it pop by lighting the hydrogen. So we had nice little micro explosions in my kitchen sink, (laughs) but um, there's just so many ways you can adapt. You can incorporate movement through the day and our distractible Mm -hmm. kids can really benefit from being able to move. I often tell families if your child is in tears 20 minutes into every math lesson, give them two 15 minute lessons and go out in between and jump on the trampoline or kick the soccer ball around or draw. The ways that you can adapt when you homeschool are nearly infinite. So that allows us to focus on not just our child's needs, but their strengths and their interests and their talents.
0: Yeah. And I love that. That was one, and and that was the case with you know with my biological children who didn't have learning challenges but then with with our kids who have learning challenges to be able to focus on those things that they're very interested in and that keeps their attention and and so many times we see kids able to you know as they grow up and get older pursue career paths that they were able to really focus on in school because that's how with homeschooling they were they were allowed to pursue those interests that eventually even could, can become a, a career path so so many options for our kids and and to, to be able to feel successful instead of feeling like they just can't um, function during the day that they can't learn that they're um, you know I think I think our kids can be so frustrated and, and feel stupid you know they may say that about themselves um, and and experience that shame that they're not good enough um but when we can bring them home and focus on one-on-one and build on their strengths boy that goes a long way it's also interesting how many those
1: interests may be undiscovered if you'd ask my yeah. son, me what my son was good at when we started homeschooling uh, it would have been an embarrassing silence for me when i'd say uh, legos and, and talking to strangers but uh which didn't seem like a talent when you have a small adventurous child um, but as he grew, new things emerged. Um, he became interested in scouting and backpacking, and we could flex our homeschool schedule so that there were no major exams the day after a camping trip, which was handy. Uh, in the homeschool co-op where I taught, I had a student who was not really interested in math. He was plugging along, but pretty bored. And his family was able to adapt. They had There was a family medical emergency, and they had to move to Florida to help a family member for a short time. But providentially, while they were there, my student started hanging out with his uncle, who was a building superintendent, and started helping out. And it turned out this young man was very good mechanically. And working with his uncle, he started realizing that there's a whole field of all sorts of different kinds of repair work, mechanical work, that was interesting to him, that was intellectually challenging. He came back and he looked about six inches taller because he was confident now. He had fixed a lot of stuff. And if his family hadn't been homeschooling,
0: he would never have had that opportunity. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, So for parents who have not embarked on that homeschooling journey, um, you know, maybe they thought that Homeschooling was just an impossible thing for them. It sounds daunting, um, especially homeschooling an individual with with learning challenges. What should parents do? Like, where's a great place to start if the parent realizes, okay, school, public school is not working, traditional school, I'm going to bring them home, but then what? What do I do? Mm. I could do an hour on that one too, but <laughs> um
1: I think the first thing is look at your child and if they're extremely stressed, allow a little time for de-schooling. That's where you're not providing formal instruction, but you're providing a lot of rich educational opportunities. You're getting books from the library. You're researching things together. you got some cool art supplies, picking out something they're interested in. You're doing, taking nature walks, getting into things they're interested in, but it's pretty low key. Um, That can help because our kids can be so discouraged by years of failure that they need a little time to um, begin to rekindle a love of learning. And I think that's something to start praying about just as much as which curriculum am I going to use is how do I help this child get going with that. For the parents, um, while your child's engrossed in their book about dinosaurs or whatever it is they're um, enthralled with, Uh, There's a number of really helpful websites. Um, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, that's hslda.org, has a great special needs section. There's a nonprofit called Sped Homeschool, S-P-E-D Homeschool. I'm pretty sure they're a .org. We can check on that. Um, They have a lot of resources and webinars. Um, That's very helpful. Um, Blue Collar Homeschool, is um, yes. helpful for families interested in the trades. I think you know, Natalie Delvecchio and Cindy LaJoy, who wrote that, homeschooling kids who also had special needs. I think some of the children in those families have fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, yes. So, and um, my website, um, which is learndifferently.com, I also would, particularly at my website, I'd suggest you download a free copy of the first chapter of my book, Homeschooling Your Struggling Learner. I wrote that book to be the handbook that I wish I'd had when I pulled my son out of public school back in 1997. Um, There wasn't anything like that at the time. I'm still not aware of anything that is, but I wrote it handbook style. So you can dive in the chapter you can download on my website is called, Is School Working for Your Child? And in that, I go through things to think about as you consider the decision whether to homeschool. A trivial example is if you homeschool, you're going to need more bookcases. But <laughs> oh, of, yes.
0: Yeah, there's
1: lots of other things to consider.
0: Yes, yes, because you become a collector of all kinds of books and curriculum and, and resources. And, oh, yes, I can attest to that for sure. Um, and, yeah, so so N- Natalie Vecchione um, and Cedila Joy wrote uh, Blazing New Homeschool Trails or Homeschooling yeah. Trails. We'll put links to all of those um, resources that you mentioned, including your website um, in the show notes for this episode for so our listeners can easily find them. Um So let's talk a little bit, and we've kind of dabbled in this a little bit, but many families come to homeschooling because parents are discouraged. Like you said, child is discouraged, maybe not at a great place, school wasn't working. Um, You offer a lot of resources on your website. And again, that is learndifferently.com. Your newest book, Encouraging Your Child. Um, Tell us about how homeschooling creates an environment where kids can thrive and be encouraged. One thing I noticed when I started
1: homeschooling my son was he felt free to pick out books that interested him, even if his classmates might've thought that they were a little juvenile for him. And I like to study literature. My son is really good at studying illustrations in children's books. So he'd get out three or four copies of the same folktale and be looking at how the illustrators did it differently he was able to um explore something that interested him there and that encouraged him i think it's important to take time and see what motivates your child and in cur- encouraging your struggling learner i talk about ways we accidentally discourage our kids and how we can encourage them more effectively for a lot of our kids i um with the learning differences um giving someone stars or rewards has to be managed very carefully you've got to and i go into that in the book one small thing is the goals have to be reasonably achievable you don't want the child who got 59 stars and they don't get to go skating because they needed 60 um you and you also need um to make sure that the any prizes you give are appropriate um, Alfie Kahn's book, Punished by Rewards, discussed this many years ago. We can overshadow an achievement by making an award too big. For instance, if you gave me a new car for participating in this podcast, I wouldn't remember much <laughs> about the conversation. I would just focus on the car. Um right. and in the same way, my son went through a six-week um social, social skills training course. And at the end, um the kids all scored about the same, but his score was a couple points lower than his classmates. So he went last when it came to pick prizes. And that's what stuck with him. It was an right. arbitrary system and an inappropriate consequence. It was a nice prize, but it was sour in his mouth.
0: Mm-hmm. We also
1: can look to help our kids develop habits that will help them encourage themselves. Uh, and keep going. By that, I mean things that you and I do to help ourselves keep going. We take walks, we get time outside, we practice those different kinds of self-care. And I think that's part of educating our kids. For some of our kids, developing a new habit is hard. And when we're home with them, we can have more time to try and help them develop those good habits that will help them help themselves.
0: Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned about when you when your family would go on a hiking trip or a camping trip, and you came back, you knew the next day that your child would be tired, and there wouldn't be major learning going on, right? And mm-hmm. and we've discovered that as well at home. Where if I knew if he was up later, there was a family thing going on or an activity, mm-hmm. um, there were just certain things that I knew sleeping in would be better for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I have the flexibility because I work from home. I'll let him sleep in. I'll get some of my own work done. And then when he is up and had breakfast and rested and ready, then we'll start school. So we don't have to start school at, you know, bing, it's 7am and everybody starts school at 7am. So we have to too. We might not start school until 10, Mm -hmm. right? Or if we don't get something finished, you know, we don't have to worry about it, that it's homework. We can do it the next day. So a lot of flexibility and I think not being so rigid anymore, frees up our kids to feel more encouraged and not always that discouragement that can come when they're just not able to perform Mm -hmm. at whatever's happening at school.
1: I can imagine some of our listeners thinking, well, my child's 16 and they've got to learn to get up in the morning to get to work. And certainly you do that. And in that case, you talk with the kids about we're coming back from this trip this weekend. We won't get home till 10 o'clock Sunday night. What can we do to help you get it, get ready early in the morning. So we, we scaffold, we pre- work a lot on life skills, things like picking out your clothes the night before n- watching the caffeine, avoiding the screen time before sleep and nurturing good sleep habits, which is a problem for so many teens around the country. It's not yes. unique to f- families with special needs.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely an issue with, with families who have special needs. I know my, I have a, my son, one of my boys graduated, um, and he's, I can't believe going to be 20. Um, but he has fetal alcohol syndrome. He does have a job, um, with our, within our family business where he then has accommodations that can help him be successful. But for example, he, he. Be, he all, all growing up he wanted to be a fireman or a policeman like that was always his thing but with with many of his disabilities and he has some physical disabilities that just was not going to happen but he has been able to become a volunteer firefighter he can't go he can't go into burning buildings because of his limitations but he can do exterior firefighting and he shows up at every activity and every uh, EMS call and every everything. Um, but on Tuesday nights, when it's drill night and there's a meeting, he doesn't get home until after 10 o'clock. So we know that Wednesday morning, he's not going to be at work at 7 a.m. So we're able to make that accommodation where he goes in a little bit later. So he'll either he'll, he'll stay later that day is typically what he does to make up for the time. But we can give him that flexibility because of Um, You know, it's a family business and we understand his disability, Um, but it's, it's things like that where, where flexibility is really important because the ultimate goal is to get them to learn. And if everything is so rigid um, and they're feeling like a failure all the time, they're not going to have that love of learning that we really want them to have that will serve them their whole lives. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So For us veteran homeschoolers who've been at at this a while, um, you have another book, which I love the title, Staying Sane As You Homeschool. That's very important. (laughs) Kathy, would you give us a few tips on how we can stay sane while home educating our kids?
1: A lot of it starts with our own attitudes. We can have expectations that can just make our homeschools hard for us. I think one that affects veterans and newcomers is um, feeling like a failure, you know, feeling Mm, like for newcomers, it usually comes out as thinking they have to do something like school at home. I have a friend who bought student desks and a flag and a globe and started the day with her kids standing and saying the Pledge of Allegiance, which is fine if you want to do that. The desks are actually a good idea because then the, it's the right height for a child, which helps, strangely enough, with their handwriting. Um, but we don't need to be locked into the school mindset. One of the moms I interviewed for the first book said, um, when you're trying to do school at home, keep in mind it didn't work at school. That's why he's at home. <laughs> <laughs> so that can be a danger. Other ways our attitudes can get in the way of our homeschooling and discourage us is by feeling like um, everybody else would do a better job or mm-hmm. by feeling like we've got to homeschool 24 seven. You know, you're driving home at 10 o'clock at night and you pass, I don't know, a, um a cliffside and you start just teaching geology at that hour. You know, mom, dad, take a break, you know, unless it's really- yeah if it's a if it's a meteor shower sure pull over and enjoy it um but you have to remember you don't need to homeschool 24 7 you you can take off the teacher hat some of the time it's so important to enjoy your kids and now some of us have kids that that's really hard so i I can think of times where there may be a year, or there may be a long stretch where you're just feeling like I'm not enjoying this child. How can I homeschool them? So I would encourage folks to pray about that and to ask God to help them see the beauty in this child. Um, and sometimes it takes a while to see where things are going to go, but um, you talked about adoption and um we were talking earlier about um how god has adopted his people if you're a christian you've been adopted if i've been adopted by christ and i'm a work in progress in many ways i'm still a mess and i need to be patient with that and ask god's help and the same thing with our homeschooling we can also preserve our sanity by doing little things to take breaks now that's super hard for parents of kids with special needs. But I was talking with one couple in um, Southern Virginia who were able to save enough so that mom was able to go away to a hotel and stay there for an, for a night, mm. well, uh, maybe a couple of times a year. And the, they, the dad would take his tent and go camping at the nearby state park. So he got a night off. There are a few organizations that offer respite nights uh jill's house in northern virginia is one that mclean bible church has and there's other organizations that provide that so you know take care of yourself and, oh and we've defined redefined date, dates in my house and my husband and i consider it a date if we go to a hardware store <laughs> and as long as we get an ice cream on the way home and don't talk about kids more than half the time that's good it's a date Yeah. And we would, when our kids got old enough to be left home alone, we would take walks in the morning and get a little exercise and nothing nothing super ambitious. I think we were the world's slowest joggers for a while there, but it was a little time to reconnect and just talk to each other
0: without interruptions. Yeah. That is so wise too. Something else that I just, I just thought of was the um, homeschool co-op. Which over the years my family had done. Um, but I found that when our youngest two adopted kids with significant special needs, they did not fit into the traditional homeschool co op because mm-hmm. if we put them in with their age, you know, their peers age wise, they were significantly um, working at a much lower academic pace. So mm-hmm. then there was that. Um, they felt shame and embarrassed and, and yes. just didn't feel good about themselves because they couldn't read the, as well as the, their peers. They couldn't write as well as their peers. They just yes. had a much harder time. Um, so I started to recognize that, gosh, this the, this co-op is not a good fit for my youngest two boys. Um, the last year that we participated, I only signed them up for like the PE type stuff yes. um, and, and art type stuff. Yeah. So academically, though, they were not able to fit in with their peers because of the different challenges that they had. And I didn't want them to feel inferior or less than or not good enough. So we just avoided those academic classes as groups because they weren't they weren't geared towards special ed, Um, you know, children who would need special education. So so I just want to let parents know, be careful, even though you love them to have that socialization. um, It's not necessarily going to be a good fit if you're not careful about how to how to plug your kids in there. Um, I love your website, Kathy, and it's learndifferently.com. You've got so many, web, so many resources there. Tell us about some of the resources we'll find on your website.
1: Certainly. Um, several years ago, I started a project of trying to read books and write long reviews so that you parents could get a better sense of what is in this book and decide if you actually want to spend the money and more importantly, the time on, because I, you know what it's like raising a special Mm -hmm. needs child and especially homeschooling them. Reading time is going to be limited. So I have um, a lot of reviews to help you. I tend to write series of articles on different topics. I've got one on teaching writing that begins with why that matters and I talk a lot about different accommodations and uh, assistive technologies, tools you can use to um, help your child learn. Um, I also just address a wide range of topics, everything from um, body safety, preventing sexual abuse, watching for predators. Just That's just one or two. I talk about what to do when your family objects to homeschooling, how to deal with them, and I have quite a few things on math because uh, my I did teach algebra for a couple years at public school and then for nine years with our local homeschool co op, um, and so I'll put things in to help that because I've loved learning how to adapt um, math curriculum. I have a lot on helping dyslexics, um, dysgraphia, as I mentioned. Uh, what a psychologist help your child, what a occupational therapist can do for your child, those sort of topical things as well. Basically, just go there and type your question and type a keyword in the search window. If you can't find anything, drop me a note. Maybe that'll be my next yeah. blog.
0: <laughs> yes, lots of amazing, lots of, you have your blog where you're writing, you've got books on there, articles, such a great resource. So, so it's definitely worth checking out. That is learndifferently.com. Um, Kathy, I think there's so many misconceptions about homeschooling. And it's funny, I had to chuckle when you mentioned this, because 20 over 20 years ago when I started, that's what I did. I tried to recreate the public school. My, my kids had been in a little private Christian school, so I kind of recreated the one-room schoolhouse, right? We had not desks, but tables, and I sat there, and I had my teacher grade book and all the teacher keys. And, you know, we, I kind of recreated Right. What I knew, what I knew as public school. And it didn't take long for one of my kids to say, mom, you said this was going to be fun. Right. Because he he was very clearly not having much fun. And I had sold them on homeschooling. My oldest at the time was I think he was fifth grade, sixth grade. And um, he was the one that said, wait a minute, you you said this was going to be fun. This is not fun because I had made it very rigid and very structured and we didn't have any time for any fun. Right. I was very serious about it. So I had to pivot, right, and, and, and be more true to my word that this is going to be a lot of fun, hands-on learning. Mm-hmm. Then we adopted our kids um, and started struggling with uh, – we had to pivot again because it was completely different homeschooling um, with kids with learning challenges. Um, I graduated six out of our eight from homeschool, um, but then our youngest, too, like I mentioned, had such significant learning challenges that for a time we put them in public school – um, and then one came home and now we're doing a combination of things. So, um, it's not a one size fits all homeschooling really needs to, to your homeschool needs to fit each individual child, their strengths, their interests, what they, you know, what they need. We can design that, provide that structure. Um, and many of our listeners, like we said, are foster and adoptive parents. Um, we've got kids with different learning challenges, different strengths. Um, so if you could just. Give us your best advice, maybe like two or three points of what is your best advice or encouragement um, for parents who are either on this journey or considering becoming a homeschool family?
1: I think it's really helpful to start talking to other people homeschooling in your area. And if they're all in the same co-op, find some more so you get different perspectives. Um, You may have to, if you homeschool, you might have to visit several co-ops before you find the right thing. You might find um, online support could be helpful to you. Um, There's a lot of homeschool groups that are are working online. And the beauty of that is, if you've got a special needs child, it can be hard to get a sitter, sometimes impossible to um, get a sitter and make it to a meeting. But if you can post a question and somebody can answer you 12 hours later, that works. I'd also say try to get to a homeschool convention. Um you can ask me, I imagine you can ask Sandra what a good convention where a good convention can be found for special needs families near you. I know Florida and I believe North Carolina have and Texas have either special needs conventions or special needs tracks within their conventions. Also my home state of Virginia has a large special needs pre-conference, the first day of their big major conference. So a lot of people come that day early and then stay for the remaining days as well. Um, The advantage of that in Texas and Florida is there's a lot of curriculum providers in the vendor hall. Um, My first homeschool convention was uh, in Pennsylvania, and I loved being able to walk through the hall and flip through the books because my kid was struggling with math and I wanted to see how big is the type in this book. And most of the people at those booths, if they didn't write the curriculum, they've used it and you can ask a lot of questions. So those would be my top suggestions. Get connected with other homeschoolers, explore the diversity, look online and go to a homeschool convention.
0: Yeah, I love that. I have such fond memories of the years we were doing homes. I haven't been to a homeschool convention in forever, but um, we we in New York State, we were members of LEA, which stood for Loving Education at Home. They have an annual homeschool convention. And I that was like the big it was always, I think, in, in May or early June, and we would go. And it was our big shot in the arm, right? We had just finished the school year, and I went and got all my books for the new school year coming up. Um, and it was just you could flip through the curriculum. Great speakers. Um, it was such a wonderful time. And now they, now we also have, because um, you mentioned online, there are a lot of Facebook groups very specific to homeschooling. There's the the, the blue collar homeschool, and I found because my my kids have and FASD, there is a Facebook group called uh, Homeschooling the FASD Way that did not exist before that I knew <laughs> of. Um, so when I brought my youngest son home in, in the fall of 2020, realizing we've got to get back to homeschooling, I it had been, you know, simmering in the back of my mind, like I knew this was probably the direction we were headed. Um, so I was like, I don't even know what math curriculum I should start with or what reading curriculum should we go back to. So I went on that Facebook group and I and I just started, I didn't even have to put a question and I just started scrolling and people were talking about what they were using. Mm-hmm. And one of the reading curriculums was one that I had used with my boys when we were still homeschooling. I sold it, of course, because we were done homeschooling for a while, <laughs> um, but I knew how to I knew how to use it. So I'm going to just order it again because I I already know how to use it. So that will be great. And then um, even the math curriculum was one I still had a lot of the manipulatives and things for. So I I, I got to use that. So find, find those Facebook groups. They are on there. Um, the homeschool conventions, be careful with the co-ops and like, I, I, that's wisdom to visit and just check it out. Um, but keeping in mind that if you have a kiddo with, with um, learning challenges, um, you wanna make sure it's a good fit. We're not even doing a, a homeschool co-op. Um, because our, my son does go to school for a few class periods a day. he's getting that social piece. he's getting adaptive PE. Um, so we didn't really need the, the, the need a co-op because it was not a positive experience especially for him um, back, back when we were you know we're doing that many years ago. But such wonderful advice. Um, again your, your website is learndifferently.com and where else because are you do you have social media? Where else could listeners connect with you?
1: I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. It's my name. Also, I'm um, at Kathy cool at um, on Instagram. Um, I'm occasionally on Twitter, but you'll see me more often on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I should mention two important things about my site. I'm not the best at marketing, apparently. Um, this year, I launched an online course for helping parents homeschool distractible children. It's called Homeschool with ADHD. I may update the name because I've had some people give point out to me that my material also helps if you don't have that diagnosis. For instance, some families with FASDs may have um, kids that would benefit from that. Um, and that's a self-paced video course with um, a lot of printed resources to help you. Um, my website also has a contact form where you can can reach me and ask questions. So um, I'm happy to take those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we can definitely connect with you. Check out your website, learndifferently.com. We'll put links to everything in the show notes. Kathy, thank you so much for all that you're doing to support homeschooling families and especially those of us who have struggling learners. You have all of those wonderful resources and you're such a great support. Thank you so much for all that you are doing. Well, thank
1: you. And I appreciate what you're doing and these podcasts. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Oh, wow. I don't know about you, but I am now encouraged for the upcoming school year um, and, and that homeschooling, uh, just just a new perspective, shot in the arm that I needed. I hope that you feel that way too. Um, I thank you for listening to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I hope you were encouraged and inspired by my conversation with Kathy Cool. I am here to equip you for your parenting journey. If you'd like to learn more about FASD, we talked about that a lot on the show today as well. Um, If you want to learn how to apply the neurobehavioral model to accommodate your kiddos for success, um, which will help school, whether your kiddos are in school or whether they are homeschooled, the neurobehavioral model um, definitely is Um, They are just principles and strategies that will help your kiddo be much more successful um, because really it focuses on how we can better support and accommodate them. So um, if you want to learn more about that, take advantage of the training, the upcoming training I have talked about it at the beginning of the show. You'll learn more on our website. You can register um, for the workshops or the online workshops. You can uh, learn what we have at at the website, justicefororphansny.org. Link in the show notes, of course, and along with all of the um, links to to the resources that Kathy was just talking about. Uh, If you're interested in booking me for an online or in-person workshop for your group agency, maybe you just need a one-on-one consultation for yourself regarding FASD, contact me through our website. Or if you want to email me directly, you can do that at sandraflack at justicefororphansny.org. Remember the hope for the FASD journey, virtual support community. We are here to walk with you on this parenting journey. So check out the details on our website for that as well. And again, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe, leave a review, let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know so that they can be encouraged and equipped too. find and follow us on social media at justice for orphans. I'm there too at Sandra Flack. I'm so grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.